Welcome to the Joyous Journeys in Life and Business podcast, episode number 32. In this week's episode, I interview my friend, mentor and colleague, Stacey Marie. Together, we take a deep dive into what it means to sell on a needs basis, to launch without the burnout and of course, a good dose of spirituality and strategy. Enjoy. Welcome to the Joyous Journeys in Life and Business podcast. I'm your host, Sharon Joy, and on this show, we talk about inspirational journeys in life and entrepreneurship. Through soulful conversations with inspiring guests, you're sure to get clear, get organized, get enlightened, and get moving on your dream business with the perfect blend of strategy and alchemy. Hello and welcome to the Joyous Journeys in Life and Business podcast. Today I have a special guest, a friend and someone who I see as a mentor and also a colleague, Stacey Marie. Welcome to Joyous Journeys in Life and Business podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me. I always love being a guest on a podcast after being usually the host. So it's an oh, absolute... After many episodes. Yes, after over 100 episodes of my own, it's I, I absolutely love being a guest. I feel like all the pressure's off. It's awesome. Well, the pressure's definitely off. I'm uh, stoked to have you here on the show with me today. Um, absolutely love your work. For those of you who don't know Stacey Marie, Stacey Marie is a business coach who helps women own their brilliance authentically in the online space without the mum guilt or burnout. This helps them to create strategies for their business that are in complete alignment with their values and mission, both personal and professional, so that they can make an income whilst also making an impact. With almost 20 years experience as a sales coach and people leader in the corporate world, Stacey now blends all that with her passion and love for the digital space. She has championed hundreds of women to own their power and stand up as a fierce leader in the online world. And that's so true. And I'm so glad to be one of those hundreds of women, Stacey. <laughs> I'm so glad you are too. <laughs> it's, been a, it's, been, it's been a delight getting to know you over the last couple of years. Like I feel like like we kind of met on a business capacity, but then we realized how much of our own like personal values are aligned and we just... Yeah just sometimes just have chats on Instagram because we feel like it. So it's cool. Yeah, definitely sounding boards right before I hit record. We were just having a nice old riff off about the recent election. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> about our electorates, which are neighboring electorates as well. So um, we're not too far from each other. It's still a couple of hours, but um but we have quite a lot in common in business and in life and the way that we like to do things. So I'm so pleased to have you on the show today. Stacey, let's just dive in. Like, tell us a little bit about the types of programs and things that you offer um, and your business. You know, tell us when did you start your business and a bit of your business backstory? Yeah, so I started my business four years, 2018. So four years ago, I'm about to like come into year five in like July this year. So I feel like I'm kind of hitting a bit of a milestone. <laughs> getting Absolutely. Up to five years. Um, and I initially started purely niched into social media coaching. That was purely what I did. But I soon started to have people come to me and say, hey, can you teach me how to put together an online course? I really like how you run your webinars and all that sort of thing. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. 
And so I just started kind of just doing that randomly for people and found that I actually really, really enjoyed it and really loved it. And they became some of my, I guess, some of my best like soul food, mm-hmm. those clients in terms of what I was doing. So then in 2020, kind of worked out perfectly really with the pandemic demic hitting because everyone wanted to get online and get courses out. So I kind of branched my niche out a little bit more to incorporate helping people get online courses up digital products and really more Mm. like business coaching, but more so in that digital space. So like launching an online business and all that sort of thing. But prior to that, like, I'm not as, you know, not a super spring chicken. I'm 43 this year. So even though I've only (laughs) had four. What's wrong with 43 year olds? There's nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. Just another thing we have in common. (laughs) Things aren't as, as, as tight in the old body (laughs) as they used to be. But um before that, I spent like 17 years in finance. So I was in corporate mm-hmm. finance for a major bank, like lived in so many different places because of it. It was a great time of my life. Um, I didn't leave it because I hated finance necessarily. I just wasn't aligned to the values of a large corporation anymore. Mm-hmm. And I found that more in, you know, having my own business, being able to have that freedom. Um, but a lot of what I did there was people leadership, and like specialist sales. So if I wasn't being the specialist salesperson, I was coaching other people how to do that. And I really took that pretty much from earning a wage into having my own business and really teaching people a lot of, a lot of the same stuff. Mm. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. Um, but before we do, I wanted to also mention like you're, you're a mum of two girls and you you have quite a passion for you know, for raising girls in particular and, you know, that relationship between mothers and daughters and also, um, you know, some of the self-care and um, I guess you'd say, you know, making that beautiful life business balance. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, look, it's funny. Like when I started my business, like I will, I'm always very honest about I'm pretty honest about everything. Like I'm an open book. I don't think I've got a poker face. <laughs> like all my friends tell me they can tell That's what when I I'm love like, about you. Yeah. Like, we can tell when you, what you're thinking because usually you'll pull this random face, like, you know, like funny faces <laughs> if, if I don't like what someone's saying or whatever. But um, yeah, I started my business because I just wanted to be around more for my kids. And I think after decades in a corporate job and having to go back to work after them being very small little babies. um, That was a real big driver for me was just to be able to be like, how could I be more flexible? Not that I wanted to be a helicopter parent or anything, but I just wanted to be around more. I also struggled to become a mother. So um, I didn't have fertility issues in the sense of I had to have IVF or anything, but I had multiple miscarriages and was actually faced with the concept I may not ever have children at one point. Um, so yeah, missing out on a lot of their life when they were young really impacted me. And when they got a bit older, I was like, no, I really want to be around more for them. And yeah, I guess that's, you know, really that's, I I think that was just my path really in becoming a mother. And then I was a single mother by the time Marley, my youngest was 12 months old for a little bit. And it really just kept that passion going for me of how can I and it was more so a personal thing like how can I just be the best version of the mother that I'm meant to be for my kids Mm -hmm. um while 
you know, setting a good example for them and teaching them to be these amazing adults that we want them to be and the future leaders and all that sort of thing. And I don't know, I've got a gift for the gab. I like to blog and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And people always used to say to me, they love all my posts and everything. I just stuff on my personal page that I used to write about it. And it really just kind of led me down this, it really is a personal passion on, you know, like human behavior and emotional intelligence and parenting and conscious parenting and all that sort of thing. And um, I really incorporate a lot of that, I guess, into how I run my business because a lot of my clients are mums as well. Mm. And they resonate with, you know, a bit of a different approach to hustling without the hustle, I guess, like being a passionate business owner and striving to reach the goals that you want to reach without burning out or having crippling mum guilt from not ever seeing your children. Cause that's Mm. really what we left the corporate world for, wasn't it? Oh, hundred percent. That's why one of the biggest reasons that I left teaching was exactly that. Um, You know, I mean, I'm not going to say that I work any less hours than what I did in teaching right now, but, you know, but the truth is, is I'm here, you know, I'm here when they need me rather than being the first ones dropped off at before school care and the last ones being picked up at after school care, you know, just kicking around with randoms, you know, before and after school care all day, every day. It was just awful. And uh, I'm not going to say that working from home and always having your kids around is necessarily the easiest path <laughs> in terms of a working environment. Um, but in, and sometimes it's a, it's a juggle. Like I think any mum listening out there that has kids at home, I mean, my kids go to school and they're ones, ones in high school, ones about to finish primary school, but on the school holidays, they're always home. Like they're always around otherwise. Right. So, and after the last two years of the pandemic, they've been right our bums you know (laughs) it's um it's not always the easiest path in terms of working but it's um definitely from a I guess from I from my own values of the sort of mother I want to be it's helped me be able to live up to those values and I think long term that soul food's been good for me personally yeah Yeah, I can really resonate with that for sure. It definitely, um, yeah, just being able to be there and, you know, I would still choose a challenging day on school holidays with the kids at home and I'm not quite getting through what I want to get through versus being on school holidays and having all of the time, but then, you know, going back to work for 10 weeks of the year and absolutely slogging it um, and then, you know, not being able to be there, you know, because they they're in before and after school care and I'm you know in the office so yeah yeah huge all right um so I want to double back to you were talking about you know your uh, being a sales coach in corporate you know sales really have been your jam you know they're, they're a theme of your career which is so beautiful because there's nothing salesy about you, which is just what I love. Because if there's anybody, for people who don't know Stacey, you know, there's nothing salesy about her, but she has this beautiful way of, you know, selling in a way that is just so natural. She still sells, she still shows up on the daily, doing the selling, doing the things, but it's just so genuine. So I'd love to just scratch away at the surface of that 
Can you tell me, you know, about the kinds of selling strategies that you believe work and that you've seen work in corporate and in the online space? Yeah, it's, um, it's sales is such a funny conversation because I think a lot for women, we have this the old stereotype, I guess, of like the used car salesman. Like we have this thing that sales are bad and that selling is an inherently bad thing because you have to use tricks or you have to push yourself on someone or your agenda on someone else and they might not want it. And a lot of it comes from the fact that we've either either seen bad examples of it in terms of old stereotypes or we've been taught it or it's been ingrained in us in some way or we've we've experienced it personally yeah. where we've been we've been the subject of bad sales right yeah. and we kind of carry that with us and the other kind of flip side is no most people I'm not going to say no one but most people get into business not not because they love selling they get into business because they are passionate about the product they've created or they're passionate about the people that they're going to work with or they're passionate about Um, you know, the changes it's going to have in their ideal client or whatever it is, right? The thing that they're teaching people. impact. Yeah, the impact. They're not getting into business because they're like, yeah, I'm going to jump on an Instagram live and sell my course today. Like no one's excited about doing that. Yeah. But it is, it's a part of what we have to do. And um, I'm very open and honest about that, that selling is something we have to do as business owners. And the sooner we, can, sooner we can get comfortable with it, the easier it's going to be for everybody. But I, I, in my corporate life, I feel very fortunate that I was actually taught a very customer-centric way of selling. And because it aligned with my values and my beliefs, I really just took it and run, ran with it and mm. felt that I was able to still be myself. I was still able to look after the client in front of me and that, you know, everyone was going to be happy, right? I didn't feel like I was, you know, I didn't feel like I had to be icky. I didn't feel like I had to sell anything I didn't want to. Mm. And it's fun. The other funny thing I've noticed too since having my own business is that there's almost this stigma on traditional ways of doing business and I know we're going to talk a little bit about this more later too but Mm. I find particularly in the selling space that there's this stigma on a sales process that it's like it's too cookie cutter and it's not for everybody or whatever but when I worked in the bank we had a process we had to follow there was a lot of legislation Mm. around what we had to do and what we had to say there was a process to the conversation but it wasn't it wasn't to trap people it was just a it was like a safety net, really. It was a framework and a structure to help you help them better. Yeah. And, you know, it. I know it sounds weird in the corporate environment to go, yeah, is that for real? But really the process we had was extremely client-centric and I call it now needs-based selling. Mm. And it's the format I use in my own business is identifying what your client needs as opposed to what they think they want or what you want to sell them. And I think where people get really undone in the small business arena or the entrepreneurial arena is that a lot of sales funnels and processes that people try to sell you is often the first thing at the top is what you want to sell. 
yeah. not necessarily what the client needs. So of course, you're going to feel like you're pushing something on somebody when the first thing in, in the top of your marketing plan is the thing you want to sell. Which is usually the most expensive thing. <laughs> totally. And but you've, you've got to do that with your marketing. You've got to have a plan of what you want to lead people to. But Absolutely. you can still do that in a way that invites conversation and sets you up to sell it to them in a way that's based on their need. Because most of our clients don't know what they really want. Yeah. They're just sitting there going, I've got this problem. I think maybe you could be the answer to that problem. Mm. In terms of how they pay you to solve that problem, sometimes they're very, you know, occasionally, yes, you will get people that will know exactly how they want to work with you, but that's not most people. Yeah. And well, sometimes there's a variety of choices too. I know 100%. like clients working with both, both of you and I, you know, they could work yeah. in the group, they can work one-to-one, they can do a VIP day, <laughs> you know, they've got a, a, a whole buffet. A hundred percent. And that's another thing too, is when you do have a few different offers, people go, I don't know what to choose. Yeah. So, and, and sometimes too, when people are confused or, and it's not to say that your offers are confusing. It's just that when they don't know what decision to make, they don't make decisions. Right. right. Or or I often say as well, in the absence of any other option, they'll go based on price. Yeah. So if you've got, you know, like, I've got a digital product and a group coaching program and one-on-one, if they're like, oh, well, I don't really know. Well, I'll go with that one because it's the cheapest. And it's in their eyes, the safest. It's the safest, yeah. lowest risk option. If yeah. they're not sure, for sure. That's, that's yeah. a no-brainer. We've all done that, I'm sure. Absolutely. And it's not to say that that, won't, that product won't help them. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, you know, they may be better off in, in something else or maybe that is the perfect thing for them. Mm. Or if it's not and- enough support, yeah. You know, they won't get the transformation that they actually are looking for. So, mm. you know, so, so tell us, you know, so what, w- like you had that process in, you know, in the corporate space, how have you created something similar and, and teaching women in business, how that can work in the online space? It's really about, see, I used to have that conversation directly with a person sitting in front of me. So, and you've got your computer sitting there with, it's like, have you ticked this off? Have you ticked this off? Have you done this? Right. Cause everything's all micromanaged when you're in a corporate environment. Um, but it's not micromanaged when you have your own business. And yeah. I think that there's a lot of, again, a stigma around having a process and people think, Oh, it's a script. I don't want to follow a sales script. It's like, it's not yeah. about following a sales script. It's just, did you check this step off? Did you ask them, if they understood what they were getting into, did you ask them, you know, did you make sure that you were figuring out what the actual problem was that they're having before you make a solution or a recommendation? Yeah. You know, like simple 100%. things like that. And so it's, I really just took that format and then started applying it in my own business and then started teaching it to other people. Cause it was yeah. like, I'd have clients that would go, well, I get heaps of people DM me, but nothing ever happens. And then I'd go into their DMs and it'd be like, you know, they just drop a link and run. And it's like, no, 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 we need to talk to people. Even though we're online, we're still, it's still human to human. You've still got to have that interaction and figure out what is it that they actually need before you make a recommendation. Yeah. It's easier said than done when you're on the phone or on a Zoom or an email or a DM can get a little bit harder when you've got sales pages and stuff, but you can still craft your copy in a way 
that helps the person reading it go through that process. Yeah, right. And it's, um, and yeah, I, I just call it needs-based selling. It really ultimately is selling people what they need, not what they want. And sometimes yeah. that means they pay you less. Sometimes it means they pay you more. But ultimately yeah. at the end of the day, it means that they're happier. It means they're repeat clients more often. They'll keep yeah. coming back because yeah. they've been sold Meeting something their needs. they're happy with and they'll yeah. refer other people. And I've, it hasn't served me wrong yet. Yeah. No, I think it, that has a lot of merits. And I do want to ask you a bit more about that sales copy. But before I do, you know, I, I want to just go back to what you were saying about you know, this sort of um, criticism that I hear too out there about having, you know, say like for lack of a better description, a sales script or a checklist of, you know, have you done this? Have you done this? Have you done this? Here's the thing. As an ex-teacher, you know, if we, you, you know, you wouldn't put someone, my daughter's learning to drive at the moment and I wouldn't just hand her the keys and go, there you go. Like, good no. luck. You know, when this is a new complex and kind of like lots of moving parts situation, it actually makes sense to provide people with the scaffold and support that they need to then be able to learn that process so that it becomes automatic and then that they can put their own flavour and style on it. You know, it's the way that we learn to walk. It's the way that we learn to talk. It's the way we construct language. We weren't just, you know, away we go. And it's the same with sales and understanding the psychology and human natural human behaviour because let's all just say this, this is a natural human behavior. It's not unlike making a friend, you know, it's yeah. not unlike finding a partner. There is a natural connection that happens between, you know, either a company or an, a salesperson um, and, and a customer. And it's very natural and it happens and it's part of how we're constructed as humans. It's always been that way. So we can really use that um, but when we know it as people who have services and products to sell, it's only going to make for a more authentic connection between, you know, the people that we're serving and us, which is, that, that's only got to be a win. Like I always see oh, that as 100%. a win. Yeah. I don't want to work with people who aren't aligned and I don't want clients, you know, in my programs and working with me who aren't aligned. So, you know, I mean, as I say, I just think, you know, as a teacher, we have to help by providing that scaffolding. So I think it's a wonderful thing to be able to provide people with, yeah, okay, let's let's deconstruct what's gone wrong here, you know, with this in the DMs, you know, like, let's have a look. Yeah. Well, okay, well, you went straight to sex instead of having a drink first, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it just doesn't work. It's not, it's not a solid strategy. No, and sometimes some people can be quite robotic too because it's like yeah. some people are very analytical in nature and revert to um, information-based conversations. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, you're interested in this. This is how I can help you do that. It's like, yep, you know, very analytical people, very fact-driven yeah. people. The person yeah. on the other end might not be fact-driven. They might be more emotive in the way that they make their decisions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how do you talk to them and you know when someone comes to you and says so if someone comes to me and says oh I just I need some help with my my this happens to me all the time I need some help with my Instagram not getting any results uh, my content's crap 
whatever. And I go onto their Instagram and I look at their content and it's beautiful, beautiful content, looks incredible, aesthetically pleasing. They can write a good post, um, you know, and they immediately think there's something wrong with their social media. And then they go, I've been thinking about maybe I need to have a new Instagram account because this one's not working. So I think it doesn't show up in the algorithm anymore or something. And I'm like, no, it's got nothing to do with that. You, you, your content's actually okay. Like it's fine. Your content's fine. But here's a few little tweaks in your strategy. Yeah. <laughs> where the process is falling over for you. And mm. I often find most people don't have a content problem. They have a problem in their selling system. Yeah. Not like whatever that selling system is, whether it's a, you know, you do discovery calls all all the time or you send people to a contact form on your website or you do most of your chatting in DMs. Everyone's got a different process. But Mm. most of the time I find people don't have a content problem. Yeah, sometimes you can do some tweaking with, you know, aesthetics or writing, copywriting and stuff like that. But if you're not converting, particularly, if that's where it's falling over, it's the selling process. Yeah. Yeah. And so what do you recommend like with with people who you coach do you recommend you know things that are in alignment for them like I know I do discovery calls and I have an incredibly high conversion rate um for discovery calls so beware listeners if you book a discovery call you can expect that there's a very good chance that you'll decide to work with me and that's not because there's anything manipulative it's just because you know, question and answer. It's an opportunity where we can sit down together. I can make sure that, you know, needs are on point and, you know, what I can provide. But, you know, do you have a particular way that you recommend or do you suggest to people that, you know, they sort of come to you with, oh, look, I want to sell in, in, you know, I know selling in stories is very popular in Instagram at the moment, say, for example, Um, you know, using that as a strategy. I can't say that I'm killing it with that strategy. I'm definitely not setting the world on fire there. But, you know, that I guess it's what, I, you know, my own experience, I have found that it's a bit horses for courses. You know, I've tested a few things and what works best for me is to have discovery calls. So what do you teach and what do you do? I do, personally for me, I do a bit of a mixture. So I do discovery calls. I don't, it's not like I have 20 of them a week. I could go no, a few weeks same. without even having one sometimes. Yes, right? But there, there is an option. Yeah. Um, I do most of my, most of my engaging is very conversational. So it's yeah. either people, and it's not even in comments, it's usually DMs or emails. That's where I find I have most of my conversations. That's like the top level. And then yeah. if they need to talk on a phone call, I'll jump on the phone with them. There's, I mean, you can book one on my, my link tree and you can book one on my website, but I find yeah. most people go to a DM first. Yeah. Um, that's Is just that one of your regular calls to action is DM me? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because in terms of people starting a conversation, you want to make it as easy as possible. If they've got to get off Instagram, go to your, your link, find the link to book a call, find a time that suits them. There's a lot of steps there from the yeah. post to the, the, the call that 100%. they've got to go through, a lot of hoops. So mm-hmm. making that conversation as easy as possible. So shoot me a DM. You have a quick chat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how are you going? Like what's going on for you? What's, what are you struggling with? Yeah, I can see some ways I can definitely help you. Let's jump on a call and have a chat about it. You know, yeah. it's um, 
the process doesn't have to be a long drawn out process to sell mm. something to someone. It's just about what is going, the, the key features are what is going on for them. Just ask them what's going on for you. you They'll tell yep. you. And that you, that's all you have to say. What's going on for you? Tell me about what's happening in your world. But that, yeah. That's literally what I say to people. And, and they will tell you. And you just it really, all you've got to do then is be open to see the things that they're telling you and the things they're not telling you. Yes. So when someone, so for example, if someone says to me, I just don't have time for social media, it's not that they don't necessarily sometimes have time. It's that they either don't understand how it works or they, you know, they need a process. It could be they don't have a strategy or they don't have a process. So maybe they do have time. They're just not spending their time in the right way. Or sometimes maybe they genuinely don't have time and maybe they should outsource. So well, maybe they think it's going to take more time than what they think it does. Yeah, like <laughs> totally. So it's, um, you know, what are the things they're telling you? What are the things maybe that they're not telling you, but you've got some clues for yeah. what they're saying. And in terms of like, how you set up your sales process, what I would say to you is think about what is the way that most people communicate with you now, like mm. organically? Are they emailing you? Are they DMing you? Are they booking a call with you? Where do you get the most bang for your buck in terms of converted clients mm. and scale that? Yeah. Like scale that, right? If people yeah. book from you off a discovery call, do more discovery calls. Like yeah. obviously you've got to have a process for it, but you know, if people just go to your your sales page and you've got a really great conversion rate because your sales copy is so incredible and they're just going to buy from it. Well, I'd keep sending people to that sales page, but definitely go with what's working. Mm. Definitely go with where people talk to you the most and remember that it is a funnel. Like people and don't, remove the stress from people. Yeah. Like I said, with the with the discovery call, if they've got to get off Instagram, go to your website, book the call, get their calendar out to see when what day they're free when you got your call. Like some people will just give up on yeah. doing that. So start the conversation a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. DM me, email me, you know, where can you chat to them first? Yeah, I think that's great advice. And, you know, as when I was web designing, you know, something I've been often often asked is, you know, should I put my phone number and my email address on my website? And, you know, I think it's a personal choice, but my preference has always been to put the details so that then they can choose the mode of communication that they feel most comfortable with to open that door. And for me, that's a, a key part of like relationship building is making myself available for how they feel most comfortable and then me adapting to that rather than I only do, you know, I only do discovery calls and that's that, Um, you know, I like to sort of say, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, if there's a call to action, obviously it'll be, you know, DM me or book a call. But, you know, when it comes to people arriving on my website, they get choice. I don't know how, whether that's a good strategy or not, but (laughs) yeah, I just know that there's, you know, you know, I'm not a fan of picking up the phone and ringing. I would rather sometimes if it's someone new, I'd rather email or, you know, if it's a, you know, if it's a coach that I might be working with, I would like to perhaps have a discovery call with them on face-to-face, not, you know, not telephone. And so, you know, there's people have different preferences. And so by providing different options, it allows for all different, you know, preferences to contact. And be client-led. Like what's going to help your client the most? 
Yeah. You know, we've been, you know, we get taught a lot to, you know, protect our boundaries. And mm. if you only want to talk mind. to people this way, then you put it out there that that's the only way you want to talk to people. But, you know, it, if it's not client centric to your particular audience, then it's not going to work for mm. you either. So if you're trying to lead everyone to book a discovery call and, maybe, I don't know, maybe your audience is professional people that work nine to five and then they go to book a call and you're only available nine to five. Well, that's probably not going to work for you. You know, think about your ideal client, maybe sending them to a contact form that then you could, you know, reply to them during your business hours or something, or I don't know, having discovery calls at a different time. Like there's so many different ways you could go about it, but yeah, it's got to be client centric. What is the mode of communication that is going to support them the best? Yeah. The other thing I'll say is that we have been taught to send people to a link to buy something in the online space. That's what we get taught. There's no like, yes, you can have human copy, but some people need to speak to a human. Yeah. hundred percent. And you're never going to get away from that. So yeah. removing yourself from the process, like we get taught about all these online funnels and make money mm. in your sleep and all that stuff. And yeah, sure. Mm. Like there's an element of truth to that. Like there's element of truth to everything but the reality is there's a big chunk of your audience that are not going to buy something unless they can contact you yeah and you know I mean like you just shared as well like you know I'm the same I can go weeks and not have a discovery call you know um so you know and then I might get three or four in a week but you know I've never ever found that anybody has ever jumped on a call to waste my time I've never ever found that you know people say oh you know the time wasters tire kickers I've never found that and you know and I certainly that would come down to messaging around your discovery call like if you're saying let's have a discovery call so that and you're you're priming it up as a coaching session then maybe you're going to get a tire kicker. But if you've got a discovery call. People it's a freebie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like if you've got someone very clear and you've made it very clear that it's to yeah. see how you can help them, then you're going to find most people get on that call for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. I've absolutely only ever had people who really want to know, you know, what the options are. And the truth is, is if there's somebody who didn't end up working with me they've nearly always referred somebody else you know or they've continued to be in my space and become a client you know quite some months later so you know I I I think doing discovery calls is fantastic I absolutely love it the other thing I'd say about needs-based selling probably my final thing is actually it's probably two very small quick things but is one part of another part of it is not just about selling them what it is that they need from you, but a big part of it is also to what if you're not right for them. And if you're not right for them, being honest about that, you know, you're only going to get clients working with you that aren't aligned if you're taking on clients that aren't aligned. So if they're not aligned to you and your product or your workshop or your downloadable or whatever it is that you're sending them to isn't really right for them, there's a disconnect and they're not going to be happy. So they're not going to come back to you and work with you again. They're not going to refer other people. So put that in as part of your process. And I think the last part I would say would be... um, you know, following up with people. Mm. We've been taught not to hound yes. people. Not to hound people. Don't oh, hound people. Amen. You're a horrible salesperson. Well, no, I know what I'm like. Do you know what? When people follow up with me, my first three words are thank you so yeah. much. Four words. Sorry. <laughs> following up because yes. I forgot all about it. It's good service. <laughs> 
you know, like when same, if somebody follows up with me, I always think, oh, like they were thinking about me, you know, and, and I just think that that's always such a good thing. You know, following up is service. Following up is also an income producing activity, yes. <laughs> which is part of our job as, you know, as people who have services to sell, um, you know, if you want to have, you know, a day where you are making sales, then by following up with people, then that's an income producing activity, you know, following up on those people that you've had conversations with, you know, I'm running a, a masterclass coming up and there's, you know, there's been clients who I know have, would have benefited, will benefit from this workshop. And so I've just reached out to them, you know, Hey, how are you going? Look, I'm offering this. It's $55. Are you interested? Like, you know, simply yeah. because I hey, know I thought of these you. conversations, I, I thought of you. <laughs> it's simple, right? It's like, Hey, you, yeah. this might not be your thing, but I thought of you because yeah. Yes, I know we've all got those people in our inbox sending cold emails and I don't know, like LinkedIn DMs that I can't stand. But oh yeah, um, LinkedIn things weird. You know, so but we don't have to. You don't have to do it that way. That's yeah. the whole thing. Is if it's needs based, yeah. if it's client centric, yes, and you're coming from the heart genuinely and following yeah. someone up and going, hey, we had a discovery call last week. How are you going? Um, you know, you said that your daughter had been sick. How's she feeling? Mm-hmm. Um just wanted to check in and see how you were going. If it's not right for you, totally cool with me. But if you've got any, anything else I can do to help you, um, help make a decision, let me know. Right. Absolutely. What are people going to say to that? They're going to go, thank you so much. Um, look, it's not for me. And you go, yeah, no worries. Okay. They're going to be so happy that you were just super cool about it, that they might come back later or refer someone else, or they might turn around and go, oh, thank you so much for following up. Actually, really bad end of my week. My daughter was really sick and um, I am going to join that. So thank you. I'll go and do that now. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's hard to not be attached to the outcome. But when, again, when you come at it from a client-centric point of view, heart-led, you're never attached to the outcome. You're just genuinely attached to if it's right for them or not. Yeah. And then you go on with the rest of your day. Absolutely. And, you know, it's all about the intention. You know, if you, I talk about being a magnet or a hunter, you know, and, you know, just if you, you don't want to go out there, you know, in any selling way with hunter energy, it's about, you know, it's, it's about that expansiveness, that magnet, that I'm here, I'm here for support, you know, that strong, that strong magnet that just says, I'm here, you know, if this is what you want, I'm not attached to the outcome, but I'm here to serve you. And it's just about being in that place of service and approaching those sales from a, from a service point of view. Yeah. And I think that, you know, sometimes when you, when you hear some people say, don't be attached to the outcome, don't be attached to the outcome. It attaches you to the outcome because <laughs> you're like, because you go, you're going, don't be attached to the outcome. I really want them to buy this thing, but don't be attached yeah. to the outcome. So that's why I just, I approach it more with just be client centric. Like, is yeah. this the right thing for them? So if you're going to send a follow-up email or a follow-up text or a follow-up, whatever, or if it's in your copy in your follow-up email sequence, yeah. always have in your mind, is this serving them? Is this with the, is the the purpose of this is to help them determine if this is right for them, then you can't really ever go wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I um, love that little bit of NLP in there too with uh, 
attached to the outcome. <laughs> well, that's what we get taught. Don't be attached to the outcome. Yeah, but as soon that's as you right. hear, well, that's all you hear. Don't be attached. You're attached. Yeah, all you hear is be attached to the outcome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. So you got to it's reframe true. it. Yeah, just be be in service. You know, yeah, that, that's what it's about. I love that. So with all of that in mind, you know, how can we as content creators really write compelling copy to support that authentic selling? Yeah, copies, copies one of those things because there is like there are formulas to write a sales page and there's a formula to write a sales page for a reason because it works, right? Yeah. But some of some of the old when I say old school, probably more traditional would be a better word. Um, ways of selling can be very fear-based, can be very um, pain you know, point scarcity, urgency, pain yeah. point poking, um, and, you know, all that sort of thing. And look, it, it works because it's always has worked, right? But usually it's those kind of processes I find a lot of women fall out of alignment with because yes. they don't want to poke the pain point and put the knife in and turn it and yeah, make people yeah. feel like crap so that no. they buy their thing. But the kind so, of client it also attracts isn't always aligned either because no. they're often, you know, I mean, when when we're in a state of fight or flight, you know, that fear um, in our body means that we can't learn anyway. So, you know, transformations aren't going to be had when we're approaching it because, oh, I'm going to buy. Yeah. So... I kind of use the traditional kind of format for like sales pages and sales copy that works, but I put a bit of a needs-based kind of spin on it in a sense. So again, if we go at it with the whole, is it something they need versus something they want or you want to sell them? How do you do that when you're not physically talking to a person? So I use a lot of questions in my copy because I'm wanting the person reading it to identify whether this is actually for them or not. Mm-hmm. And the only way for them to do that is to, for you, you know, for them to kind of self-affirm it. Yeah. Yeah. Self-affirm it themselves. So I use a lot of questions in my copy to help people identify is this for them? So an example would be, you know, are you feel like I just wrote a post this morning, like, are you sick of being on the hamster wheel of creating social media content? Well, so many people are going to go, uh, yeah, hello. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely feel that way. Like, yeah. you know, are you sick of what watching 500 million YouTube tutorials just to try and figure out something that should only take you five minutes? Like, mm. you know, so I really sitting into what is going on and I will call it more a symptom. What's the symptom of the problem for your audience? Yeah. And how could you get them to identify that sy- symptom by reading your copy? So questions are a great way because if people answer it, it self-affirms for them that they are that person. Mm-hmm. And then they'll continue to read it and go, okay, yeah, well, that's me. So I'll see what this is all about. Um, the great thing and- about those questions too, Stacy, is they actually move people you know, sometimes yeah. people don't actually realize that they have, you know, that there's a solution to that problem. So it moves people from problem unaware to problem aware. Mm. <laughs> All of a sudden there's like, hey, what? Oh yeah, like that is a thing. I am spending hours and hours on YouTube. That's a problem. That is actually me. And yeah, I don't really want to be doing that, but hadn't actually had that awareness, one, that there's even an issue with that. And two, that there's actually a solution for that. So yeah. 
Well, some you people know, think that's just normal. modus operandi. Yeah. For their day that yeah. they have to spend hours and hours on YouTube because there's no other way to figure it out. And, you know, for, for people listening, a lot of my listeners are people who work in, you know, the holistic coaching healing space or consulting space. Their clients are often women who are very much having problems that there are solutions to, but they're not even aware that there are problems. So, mm. you know, knowing that, you know, that there are other ways of parenting than just the slog, knowing that there's other ways of being, you know, a woman in the world than having to, you know, bend over to the patriarchy. So, you know, having them raise that awareness with through clever questioning is just an incredible strategy because people who come across that might just be going through the motions it's like you know they don't even know that there's another realm like you can set someone's world on fire by asking some of those questions and unlock doors worlds whole worlds for them that they never never even knew was existing you know like really really important strategy to use particularly in in online in the online world because if someone's reading a social media post or a sales page or whatever a product description you're not you're talking to them online you're not it's faceless sometimes like yeah your face might be on the social media post but they're reading online words they're not talking to a human so you've got to you've you've got to get them to identify this stuff through what you're writing and what they're reading not necessarily what you're saying um so there is a obviously a little bit more of a knack to it but I so instead instead of pain agitate solution which is like the standard formula I use more symptom cause solution so what's the symptom that's showing up for your audience what's the cause of that and then what's the solution which is your product service course whatever it is that you sell so the symptom that's showing up for them like let's say for example you were a dietitian or you worked in a nutritionist or naturopath and you worked a lot with um, pregnant women and one of the symptoms for, I don't know, it could be something that happens in pregnancy and their hair starts to fall out. It's too long ago for us to remember. <laughs> I don't know. This is just coming off the top of my head. And this woman, and, you know, if if you were to, let's say it was a deficiency in some sort of mineral yep. or something, right, and you had a, a product or a herb or something that could help them, and, you know, if you were just to say, hey, this, if you have a deficiency in this, this is going to help you. That woman reading it that her hair started to fall out or she's breaking out or can't sleep because of the deficiency doesn't know she's got the deficiency because that's not the symptom. But if you were to start with, are you in your second trimester of pregnancy and your hair started falling out all of a sudden? She's gone, "Uh, yes, why is that? Why? I'm like, yes, why is my hair falling out? Could be that you've got a deficiency in X, Y, Z, which could be cured or solved with blah, blah, blah. I could help you with that. Yeah. So you can kind of see how that kind of formula really works. And it's authentic. Again, it's client-led. It's what's going on for them. What could be the possible problem? Here's a possible solution for them. Um, So, yeah, questions are great. But social proof is also important too. And you don't have to provide social proof by 30 scrolling testimonials on a sales page that people no. won't read. 
You don't have to do social proof that way. It could be telling them how you've used it in your life. It could be telling them how someone else, you know, a friend or a family member or a client has used it in their life. Like mm. particularly for healers and that where we, you've helped in lots of people, you know, yeah. through what you do. But also um, interviews with clients. Yeah. I know that's not copy, um, but, you know, in terms of like, it always feels incredibly authentic for me to interview, <coughs> excuse me, to interview clients, um, you know, and just chat with them about their experiences and, you know, and so people can hear their transformations yep. instead of reading sales copy about that's the transformation that they'll get. It sounds so much more incredible as you say like it's you know it's credible when you've got social proof you know you've got proof there of people saying yeah this is where I started and this is where I ended up and this is what I did in the middle and what they did in the middle was your program or you know your course or whatever it may be your product and social proof sometimes too if you think about micro copy being social media content or a story or and even an email that you send it doesn't have to be a formal testimonial with someone's face in a little square on Canva and then their testimonial underneath. It could be just you telling the story about what you did. So yeah. I sent an email out this morning for my VIP packages. And part of that email was, you know, do you want to sneak peek behind what we do in this service? And I just gave an example of what I did for a previous client. I didn't name her didn't have to get permission or anything like that. I just gave an example of what I've done. So you can do that really simply on stories. You can do that really easily in a post. So social proof can be woven in, in many different ways. It doesn't have to be that formal little testimonial, you know, template post that you build on Canva with someone's smiling face and all their nice little <laughs> words. Like you can build that social proof in, yeah. in a million different ways. And I think the other thing to answer for people is why me? Hmm. Why me opposed to everyone else? Because there's hundreds of people doing what you do. Yeah. Why does working with you give them the best outcome? If you can mm. answer that as well for them. And, and do you say that comes down to really knowing our own unique selling proposition and yes. actually determining what that is? Which is hard. <laughs> it is hard. It is hard. And and I think, you know, for me, and I think even for you, Stacey, in the time that I've been following you, is it changes as we change. Totally. And that's probably the hardest thing is that when you evolve, it changes all the time. So yeah. you're like, oh, okay, no, this is actually, but I, I, I don't think it's not that it changes. I just think that it gets more potent. You as drill you, down. Yeah. Yeah, it's like this drilling deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. But it's a beautiful thing. Like for people who aren't sure what a unique selling proposition is, do you want to give them your flavor of what that is? Um, yeah, look, again, I, I, I try to keep things as simple as possible around here because that's just how my brain works. But unique selling proposition is what makes you unique. Like mm. what is it about you? that makes you A, unique and B, the right person for your ideal client that, you know, it's like, how do you articulate that? So your unique selling proposition is like a, the statement or how you articulate your values and how you articulate how you work with them, how that is the right option for them. Mm. You know, how you're going to be the person to get them that transformation or to get them that outcome that they're looking for. Um, 
because like I said, there's heaps of people that do what you do. So what is the thing that's going to anchor them to you that makes you the right person to take them through that process? Is it that you have the same lived experience as them? Is it that you have all this um, experience and training that they don't have? Is it that you are a woman as well or a mother as well? Or, you know, what is that thing that is about you that's going to help them to get the outcome they want. So yeah. it's, I mean, for me, I think, you know, as you know, Shaz, there's so many coaches in the world. So yes. sometimes creating that USP as a coach can be hard, but mm. really comes down to the, ultimately the values you have. Like I want to help women run business without mum guilt and burnout. That's what I want. Mm. So I say that all the time. Mm. So you're going to get a simple process from me because I don't have time for all that fancy stuff. And I just want to teach you how to do it simply so that you don't have to feel guilty every day, mm. putting your kids in front of ABC kids. <laughs> so you can't, so you can do some work. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that, that does lead me beautifully to my next, well, comment question thing I want to riff about with you is, you know, one of the things that we have in common, both you and I, in terms of, I guess, what also makes us unique. And I know it's, you know, yours isn't framed as, that as a unique selling proposition because like you said it's you know um help support women in business without the mum guilt or burnout but you know you and I both also sit in what I call the messy middle where there's this blend of strategy and soul or spirituality so I wanted to gray space I love it I live in the gray (laughs) I know I know and I just I really you know I I think that is unique you know And, and because I know that when you and I really started in this space, you know, from where you and I had both had our journeys, we had been in spaces that were incredibly, you know, masculine in nature. And then we kind of went the other way and had, you know, spaces that were incredibly feminine in nature. And both you and I ended up kind of rebounding back to the center around about the same time. But, you know, I know... For, for both yours and my clients, because I, I know a lot of your clients being in your membership, um, you know, that's a breath of fresh air for those people on both sides of the fence, because it's just like, oh, here we are. Like, <laughs> I don't yeah. have to be, you know, I don't have to have force, but I also, you know, can have strategy as well as my soul, spirituality, you know, sense of femininity, whatever that may be. So I guess I wanted to, you know, just talk, to you a little bit about that you know how does that play out in your business and in your coaching yeah so when we were talking before the the podcast episode I we were talking about strategy versus spirituality mm. and I don't even know if spirituality is the right word but I think the two words just sounded good together <laughs> but you know you kind of get what I mean is that and like it's exactly what you just said that I came out of and physically left a masculine space because I didn't want to work in that anymore. Mm. And I definitely know that in my first couple of years in business, I kept living in that masculine space in business. I kind of just, it was like, Oh, I know that I'm just going to keep doing that. And I really wanted to consciously get away from it. And I did go very across to a very feminine way. And I'd have come back to that kind of messy middle now, but I feel like it's more me. I feel like I've done both sides and now Mm. I'm really in that gray space. That is me. And I don't think there's anything wrong with gray space either. No, (laughs) I think it's fantastic. 
Yeah. And I mean, I know that you and I have talked about, you know, a bit about neurodiversity and that, you know, I'm not diagnosed as ADHD, but I definitely see that that's very likely something, but I think that it supports, you know, it supports my brain to have that level of structure um, as well as also having that fluidity, you know, is that that's where I find that I feel supported, you know, neurologically, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And us women, we're not linear creatures. We don't follow a standard, you know, our hormones just they're everywhere. We don't, we're not linear creatures. We follow cycles. We're cyclical beings. So of course yeah. we're going to have different energy states, but we also do have masculine and feminine feminine that live within each of us, yeah. you know, to varying levels. And strategy has been given a bad name because it's been like kind of labeled overtly masculine. Yeah. And I don't believe that's the case. I think that the strategy is like the container and the foundation to give you this like support, this this like really nice little, you know, process that you can follow and to have clarity, really. It's like, okay, here's my social media strategy. That's what I need to do every day on social media. Here's my strategy for this. Like there's nothing wrong with having a strategy and a process because, hey, first of all, someone before you figured out that that's what worked. So why, yeah. why recreate the wheel <laughs> when the wheel's idea. already doing something that works? <laughs> yeah, like the wheel's already been created. Don't recreate it, man. Like you're making yeah. more work for yourself. Totally. Yeah. Um, but you can do it in your way. Yeah. And this is the thing. And I think we really need to get to a place, I think us women in business, where we have the, the, the support and the confidence to be able to take the strategies that we need to and adopt them in our own way that we feel comfortable with so that we're still getting somewhere because I was only having this conversation with my daughter the other day about chores and she's like, I don't want to do that chore right now, mum. And I said, well, if we just did everything we wanted, we'd never get anything done, would we? So, and it's the same in business. Like we're taught so much by that kind of spiritual and I hate saying that word because it's, I love the spiritual world too, but that yeah. kind of, I don't know, what how what word would you use for it, Shaz? I don't know. Oh, but like I want to say get, even like, I don't know. I I don't know. You know what I mean Six though? Figure, like, seven figure, eight figure, fempreneur. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's maybe it's the I don't know, but we we get told to, you know, if it's not in alignment with you, just don't do it. Or if you know, if you don't want to do this, you don't have to. Or if you don't want to run your business this way, you don't have to do it that way. I think that's incredibly confusing for people mm. because they're like, well, okay, well, I don't want to do any of that. So, so now, now what do I do? Yeah. So I was like, just going to say, <laughs> that's all good and well, but they have to be given an alternative to fill and plug those holes. So, yeah. you know, if they don't want to do social media. Yeah. If they don't want to do social media, what is the client yeah. acquisition strategy there? <laughs> And that's what I say to people. They go, I don't like social media and I don't really want to do anything I'm not aligned to. And I'm like, okay, well, that's great. Don't use social media, but what other forms of marketing are you going to use? That's not me being, I'm I'm not being judgmental about people not wanting to use social media. I get it. It's freaking exhausting. But what's your other alternative then? Let's come up with another strategy. So, you know, we've been taught a lot to just go with what we want 
but that's not necessarily also always going to pay the bills. So, And it's not going to be in alignment with everyone. I think it has a lot of women in particular completely swirling. Actually, I'm just going to say like completely spiraling out of control and then leaving, you know, leaving the businesses behind that they actually are called here to create, which just breaks my heart because if they were able to implement a little bit of structure, it'd be happy days. They'd be on their way, you know? And you can have strategy that feels good. I think I think you can have both. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, one more question around, you know, what we're talking about here. Tips for launching without the burnout, because I know that this is something else that you're really great at and um, avoiding burnout is obviously your unique selling proposition. So I've got a launch coming up. I'd love to know. (laughs) Oh, launching. Launching, launching, launching. I have a love-hate relationship with launching. <laughs> I think we all do. I mean, I, I, there's part of it that I love, like really, really yeah. love the excitement of it. But energetically, it's, it is, you know, it is quite exhausting. You know, like you have to be primed for it. So <laughs> totally, totally. And I think it does come down to strategy. So, and that strategy isn't how you run your webinar or how you run your challenge or whatever, that's like, that's implementation. Your strategy starts before that. It starts with when is it going to happen? Does that align with what else is going on in your business? What else is going on in your family? Like having the best energy state for you to be able to show up for that launch, like booking a launch when you've already got, you know, you've got a month with 10 clients full in your book probably not the best month to launch like because you're probably not going to have the energy so your strategy starts way before you actually do the thing Mm -hmm. um and setting yourself up to be able to have the energy to show up at that time so your planning is essential it's a hundred percent essential and I think the more structured launches you do the less you have to launch Now, if we go back to that whole, you know, doing whatever you want because it feels good, Mm. if you're not not having a structure to how you sell and if part of selling means launching for you, if you've got courses and stuff, then you're going to have to launch more or sell more if you don't have a strategy and a structure to help you, which is just going to make you burn out even more. You know, like, you know, know, if, if people are telling you, you don't need to run webinars or you don't need to do this or you don't need to do that. Well, then how else are you going to get people by your course? So yeah. what's, you need- the, what's the strategy? You still need to replace it with something. <laughs> yeah. So I think that um, the, here's the thing with launching, right? When you first get into it, there's a lot of suck it and see, mm. is this going to work? Is it not going to work? No one's got a crystal ball. You just got to, you've got to come up with the best possible strategy and run with it and then learn from it and then grow it and scale it. And it's just about refining it each time, but not launching more different times, more different ways. Mm. It's, it's that application to the process. Yeah. Find, <laughs> I think, find what works and, you know, test, tweak. Yeah. And, and, you know, reapply the parts that do work and build on that. And let go of the six-figure launch. Just let it go. Like, honestly, if we could just let go of the six-figure launch, you would not have burnout while you're launching most of the time because we're so attached to that outcome of this massive big number 
that we've got in our head because we were taught that that's what courses were meant to do for our business, that we've forgotten to be excited when five people buy our course or 10 people buy our group coaching program or two people buy our membership. Like we've been taught to not be great, not that we're not grateful, but we've just been taught that it's not the end goal. Well, we also haven't seen all of the details. We haven't seen their spending budget on ads either. A hundred percent. So, you know, a hundred thousand dollar launch, there's usually a lot of ads going in the back end of that. So, or it's somebody who's been in business and built, you know, an incredible audience in size that, you know, for somebody who's still fairly new in business, that's going to take some time. A hundred percent. And, you know, it's those, it's the growth that's important. So if you launch the first time and two people buy your course, I think that's a great launch. If you've never launched before, I think let's normalize that. Yes. Let's normalize that. And then if you do it Normalize having launches where nobody comes in because Uh that's, that's happened. (laughs) That's happened to me. I'm I'm totally honest about it. It's happened. It's happened. Yeah. Like it's happened, you know? You know, we've Um, all had times where we, you know, a launch didn't go the way that we wanted it to or sometimes didn't even get off go. Oh, yeah. Or you plan to do it and then you just don't do it. Like, yeah, it happens. Yeah. But, yeah, definitely don't stress out about the six-figure launch. I think, you know, if and I think once you let go of that too, you are actually the gratitude you have for those people that do come in, mm. it continues to perpetuate, I think. Like it's like it's it grows yeah. because you're so grateful. And then, you know, and you're so you're so anchored to these five people that might have come in, you give them the best service possible. And then, mm. you know, the next time that energy keeps exponentially growing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whereas I, I sometimes I actually like the small launches because yeah it's an intimate group of people especially if it's a new program you know like if it's a new program and you you know it's a beautiful place to to just you know be with those people and dig in deeper into what those transformations actually are you know which I think is incredible when you have you know a small container of people it's it is it's really beautiful and being able just to focus on the service of those people is it is very special I agree Love it. So, yeah, I think definitely the the strategy and the managing your time Mm. in the lead up to it and letting go of the six-figure launch would be my three Mm. top tips to launching without burnout. I think it helps you be just more centred on what you're doing and show up for whoever's there and give them the best experience, which then just continues to grow. Yeah. Yeah. I I just did a launch recently where I ran a challenge in Instagram. It was the first Mm -hmm. time I've ever done it that way. I only wanted 20 people in it, which sounds like a really, sounds counterintuitive. Most people would go, but how would you convert anyone based on that? Um, But I just wanted to test the process. So I was committed to doing the time, whether no one bought it or not, because I wanted to see if it worked. In the end, I had like a few people who've already working with me, a couple of people from our membership, like, so they were not going to buy the course because I was selling the course they were in already. Um, yeah. But they just wanted to do it because they love, they love doing my court. They love doing my challenges. So they wanted yeah. to join that as well. And that was totally cool. So I had a few people that have already worked with me, a few people already in the membership. So I reckon I maybe had like 10 people that hadn't worked with me before in the paid space. Um, yeah. And out of that one person still joined my program. Yeah. Right. And it's a, you know, $1,200, $1,300 program. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that's 10, really that's 10%. Yeah. You know, yes, it was only one person, but I can look at that now and go, okay, if I, if every 10 people that haven't worked with me before, Mm. you know, if I get 50 people in it next time, it could be five. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it, you know, even us seasoned launches, because I was doing something new in a way I've never done it before, I just wanted to test it in a small way. And yeah. now I can scale it better next time. So now I'm like, okay, so how do I scale it better next time? Would I put ads behind it? Would I, you know, maybe work with some third party referrers to get more people into it? Like, how yeah. am I going to scale that out next time? What's going to look the best for me? Mm. So yeah. And once I let go again of that, you know, I'm not going to be trying to get 300 people into this challenge. I just gave my all to it. And I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, I, I really loved that idea, like so unique and, you know, that's, it's always so inspirational the way that you come up with these fantastic new ways of using social media. It's like obviously a point of genius. Um, But, you know, I wanted to ask you, you know, do you like, how do you feel about things like challenges and webinars? Because that is usually, you know, very, very common in the launching space. You know, is that something that you tend to recommend? Uh, A webinar or a challenge are the core two things I recommend people start with when they're launching. And Mm. look, it's really a a challenge by any other name is still a challenge. Yeah. A webinar by any other name is still a webinar. Like it's the same process, whether you call it a three-day experience or a five-day immersion or a um, two-hour free workshop or a one-hour group coaching, whatever. Like it's still a webinar, man. It's still the same thing. Um, I don't think it's the label you put on it that is important. I think it's the process you take people through in that experience that's important. So, and both of those things, whether you want to call it a webinar or a free workshop or a challenge or an experience, it's still the same thing. Mm. Um, And if you do it with a good strategy, they work. Again, the wheel was created because it works. Yeah. (laughs) You just adapt the wheel to how to suit you. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, you know, again, like we don't need to reinvent things. Like it works. This is a tried and tested strategy and you know forget the semantics yeah like the semantics just just get in the way similar to what we've spoken about in terms about your business title people understand what a webinar is if you're going to call it this big random thing that no one understands they're not going to opt into it because they don't get it they don't get what that word means so just use words they they understand yeah get out of your own way in terms of you know what you call things call things names that people are going to easily understand and and have something already in their schema (laughs) if they're a business person they probably would have already been to a webinar at some point they'll understand what you mean by a webinar so yeah yeah, I love that Stacey to finish off I've got three questions that I ask all my guests so um, the first one is how would your parents describe what you do for a living Um, I don't even think they'd attempt to describe it. There we go. I don't, I'm pretty sure my mum just thinks I fluff around on the internet. I don't actually know what I do. Let's be honest. No, I don't think they'd even attempt to describe it. I think they'd just say, I don't know. <laughs> I always get such great answers to this question. It cracks me yeah. up. 
Uh, what has been the most joyous part of your life and business journey to date? Oh, it's really hard to pick oh, one. It's a big one. You can it's choose really one hard. from each. <laughs> um, I think business-wise, I really love working from home, but I also love working online. It's the people. It's mm. the people. I think being able to work online, you've I've opened myself up to meet so many different types of people. And I feel like I've got all these friends, even though I've never met them in real life. Yeah. You know, and I can do that all at home, which I think is like super yeah. cool. Um, and right around the world. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think in life, it definitely the ability to go, yeah, I'll just take that week off if we're going to go on a holiday. Like that's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. But it's also, again, meeting all these different people and having your mind opened to like other people's experiences and beliefs and values it's definitely helped me become a more well-rounded person which has flowed mm. through to you know what I talk to my family about and what I talk to my friends about is you know giving me books recommendations that I probably would never have read before so and even um, just the way you deliver you know your to your yeah. clients it, yeah you know, it just makes for a more a more rounded um, experience. I, and I'm mm. speaking from experience because I'm one of Stacey's clients. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's, yeah, I can definitely relate for sure. It comes through in your work. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Love it. And to wrap up, where can listeners find and follow you? The easiest place to find me is on Instagram at Stacey Marie Coaching. Um, come over, follow me. If you want to chat, just like DM me. I'm, 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 I'm someone that will actually reply to my DMs and it's me. It's not a, it's not a, a robot. <laughs> <Auto> so, <laughs> um, so yeah, definitely. Otherwise um, I do have a podcast, the social hub podcast got over a hundred episodes. Um, yeah. They'd be the two best places to find me. Awesome. Stacey, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I just absolutely adore knowing you and, um, you know, being able to hang out in the places and spaces with you, hang out in your Voxer, <laughs> pick your brains and, um, yeah, just have you as a sounding board, um, you know, as a friend and also as, you know, someone that I see more like a colleague. So, Appreciate your work. I love being in Amplify for anybody who's looking for a membership that is just, you know, really great value. Um, Stacey's Shine and Amplify programs are fabulous, can highly recommend. And um, it's one of the places that I love hanging out on the internet. One of my, um, one of the memberships that I love hanging out in. So appreciate you, lady. Oh, and look, it's right back at you. Like, you know, I've paid you for a coaching session before when I just needed someone to, be a sounding board for me and you know I absolutely it all goes back yeah it does it does for yeah. sure no I really appreciate your um your time today and um so much value in that you know sell selling is just is such an important part of our job so um thank you for sharing your beautiful wisdom pleasure for listening to the joyous journeys in life and business podcast i'm your host sharon joy jump on over to find me on the web at sharonjoycoaching.com 